back to the Active Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I'm Josh Hallman. And before anything, just a little bit of house cleaning. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. It's really the best way to find out about all of our upcoming topics. We're going to continue our pitch series, including doing live pitches so that you can hear actual examples from actual screenwriters. We're going to break down the structure in movies and TV shows, things like Ted Lasso, Iron Man. And if you like what you're hearing, please just really take a second, give us a rating, write a comment. It does help us out. And if you'd rather DM us with questions or even topic suggestions, you can reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com. That's all spelled out. Or on our Instagram at act2writers. I'm also on Instagram at Story Thursday and on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And I am on Instagram at Josh Hallman and Twitter at Joshua Hallman. Do you want to talk about your pitch? So just very quickly, I had a pitch today. I was doing it. By the way, I'm sitting outside. So if there's a couple birds that are chirping at some point, I apologize. Just think of it as some kind of, you know, calming sound effect. I had a pitch today. I did it. Felt great about it. And then right when I finished, I looked at the Zoom. And I think the execs were looking at me like, what the fuck are we doing on this Zoom right now with this guy? And I was like really confused. And it was really strange because, you know, usually you can kind of match when you feel bad about a pitch and you understand why people are kind of looking at you like a deer in headlights. But in this case, I honestly felt okay. Like I not like great. I didn't like knock it out of the park, but I also was like, while it was going on, I was like, all right, I'm doing okay in this pitch. <laughs> you're feeling it you're really grooving yeah that's how i felt then they're like okay well let's take the weekend to think about it (laughs) and i don't know what the lesson is this is more of just me getting this off my chest sometimes it happens i guess i'm gonna try and glean some kind of lesson from it i feel like when you and i talked about it you mentioned that you still feel confident in the idea And I think something that I always am afraid of when I pitch and people are deer in headlights is that I have done something terribly wrong. My idea is inherently horrible and I need to rethink everything. And I don't think that's necessarily the case because I also heard a version of your pitch and I'm very familiar with the story that you're pitching. The concept is fantastic. I think the takeaway is the people on the other side of the Zoom don't determine whether your idea is a good one or not. That's my takeaway. That's a great takeaway. But you know what they do determine? <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So there's there's that that happened in, in this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's also a good listener question, which we, um, I think, would benefit from talking about. One of our listeners, she is pitching a show. And it's very cool. She said she couldn't find any resources online on how to actually practically pitch in a room. A lot of the stuff she was finding online was stuff to like write an actual pitch deck or something like that. And that was not helpful for real life. As you just said, you pitched in a Zoom room today. It's very real. (laughs) Uh, But then she found Act 2 and she sent a very nice email about how after listening to our pitch series, she just nailed her pitch and her project is now moving forward. And that makes me super, super happy. But she also had a question, which was, how do you pitch an anthology series? So Mm. an anthology is a series where each season or each episode is different. So I think of like Twilight Zone or Black Mirror. American Horror Story is also considered an anthology series because every season is different people, different places. And I'd say that, and I've never pitched an anthology series, so I'm going to put that out there right now. But... I think the way to do it is a similar way you just do a regular TV pitch and that you start by talking about what's driving you, what your passion is to tell the stories that you want to tackle in your anthology. For example, in Black Mirror, it's a lot of difficult and taboo topics that they clearly wanted to talk about in a really different uh, and interesting, fantastic way. So upfront, talk about why this also has to be an anthology series and not a serialized show or not an episodic procedural show, why it has to be anthology. 
And then I would say pitch the pilot in some detail, really kind of spend your time there as a way to wet their whistle really on the potential excitement of these episodes. And maybe you kind of pitch episode two in a slightly less detailed way than the pilot, but the pilot is really going to be, or that first episode is really going to be where you spend your bickies, as it were. And then I think you get more general for the rest of the episodes and instead talk about just generally like themes you'd like to tackle, characters you want to bring to life, worlds you want to see. So this section I think is, okay, you, you've seen how I'm going to blow you away in our first episode. Imagine what I will do with this theme or this type of character. And then I say finish strong with a really cool surprising episode that'll kind of blow their socks off. So that's like the last taste you leave in their mouth. And that's really my suggestion for pitching an anthology series, having never pitched one in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded great. I think that's how you do it. And if it's not how you do it, that's how you should do it. I'm actually really curious about the anthology series. I've never pitched that either. So I, I'm, I'm, that sounds right, though. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, if I imagine putting myself in the place of pitching American Horror Story, I feel like I would come in strong of just pitching a season of television and then say, now imagine where this could go with this theme, with this world, et cetera, yeah. and just get people really excited about themes. In some way, it's maybe a bit easier to talk about because it's sort of the, the more general stuff that writers love to kind of dig their claws into anyways when you're thinking about story and you don't have to actually pitch every single episode and super big season arcs and whatnot, which is the hard stuff, I think, to come up with on your own. Sounds great. Maybe anthology series is the way to go. Maybe we should start pitching anthology series. I have an idea for an anthology series. I want to hear it now. No. Today's an exciting <laughs> episode. Today we are going to talk about some of the various documents you are going to be asked to write as a professional screenwriter that is not a script. And I'm not going to cover all of them because there's a lot of ridiculousness out in the world, I think, that people ask you to write. But we're going to hit the biggest ones that you're going to face as a professional screenwriter. And I'll say if you come across one that we don't mention, like a producer asks you to write a document that is not on this list, hit us up at act2writers at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what someone has asked you to do that is unexpected or maybe kind of ridiculous and that, that includes stuff that you've been paid for or not for me the reason why this came up as a really great topic i wanted to talk about is because it's important for writers to know what landmines are kind of out there in the world because it will happen to you where you are asked by a producer to write a document that is not a script or anything remotely resembling a script and you are often expected to do it for free which to me was always like asking an interior designer to just design my living room, but nothing else, just so I can see what your style is, man. See what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> can I jump in with a very quick story? Please. I was just having this conversation with a friend yesterday, and I was telling him I was getting ready for my pitch that I had today. And he knows nothing about the entertainment industry at all. And I, I never really talked to enter, about entertainment stuff with people outside of the industry just because of how crazy it all sounds. And my friend was like, so you got paid to pitch this to him? Like pitch this idea? I was like, no, 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 that's not how it works. You, you pitch it and then like you hope to get paid. Like they, you, you know, that's, that's where it happens. But point is he was so confused by the amount of free work that goes into, like that you spend. And I was trying to explain like when you're working on a spec or when you're writing an outline, like he just didn't get it. He's mm -hmm. like, you don't get paid for some of the things that you do. I'm like, no. <laughs> for most things that I do? Like, you mean all of my things? <laughs> you talking about my life? <laughs> what industry does he work in out of curiosity? He teaches college tennis. Gotcha. Oh yeah, yeah. you get paid for all of that. <laughs> yeah, you do. So he's like, Whoa, no what are you talking there. about? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like giving so. a tennis lesson for free just because they want to try out to see if you're a good tennis coach. Yeah. That being said, though, I've done plenty of side documents for free. Of course. And I will continue to do so, most likely, of because course. that is, as you say, part of how the business is done. You got to hustle, man. Like, you have to keep doing it because <laughs> if you don't, then someone else will. All right. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> I think 
the important thing for for me is to remember that you have to arm yourself with knowledge so what types of documents are out there that you'll be asked to write what defines them because i think everyone has a different definition of these things and there is a right answer what are they for? Meaning why is the producer even asking you to do that document? And then also, can you get paid for it? So I want to start with the overall picture here, the kind of 50,000 foot view, as they say in TV writing. So there is something in professional screenwriting called the schedule of minimums. And the one we're going to be talking about today is the latest one they have on the books as of this recording, which was published in October of 2020. So what is the schedule of minimums? The schedule of minimums is this document that the WGA puts out that breaks down the minimum WGA rate that you can pay a writer for all of the various things you ask a writer to write. Everything from outlines and treatments to full-on features, TV shows. The WGA also breaks it down just between all different types of writing you have to do. So features, TV, quiz shows, variety shows, if you're writing for Ellen, SNL, that kind of stuff. It breaks all of that down. Are you doing a 15-minute show, a 120-minute show? And then from there, it also does low budget and high budget. So if your movie is super high budget, that's a different rate than if your movie is very low budget. So they break it all down for you and they do a really great job at trying to figure out what the hell people out in the world are going to ask writers to write so that they can have a number there that says actually you have to pay a writer to do that. So I wanna talk for a second about low budget versus high budget because where does that come in? So and a, a practical example is if you're writing a movie at Disney, they're gonna spend $100 million on your movie there will be more room in the budget to pay you. Therefore, you will have a higher minimum rate than if you're making a movie that's shot over the course of a week in one location for $1 million. So what we're going to focus on is theatrical features, so movies, and then scripted television. If you have questions on other types of shows, I would say go find the schedule of minimums online. It's on the WJ website. It's free to download. It's just a PDF. Google WGA schedule of minimums and you'll find it as the top hit. Really easy yeah. to find. What else is there? Like variety shows or yeah, like musicals oh, oh. or sketches, stuff like that. All right. Yeah. So again, why are we even talking about this? I've been doing a lot of these kinds of documents myself. So it's just come up as like, well, how do you define that? And there's been some confusion between executives that I've worked with on their definition of a document and then the WGA's version of a document and then my version of the same document. So I just started doing some research for myself to try and clarify this. And I realized it's probably a problem for other people too. So as a screenwriter or a TV writer, 99.9% .9 of the time, it's never going to be as simple as you write a script and then you go make it, right? Like that has never been your experience. I don't think it's never been my experience. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> There's often so many baby steps along the way. For instance, I sold a show to Amazon. They bought my pilot and they said, great, now go write a format document for us. And both me, my co-showrunner, my producer, all of whom are very experienced, were like, what the heck is a format document? And it's not because they're not in the know. It's because every studio and producer will have very different terms for things because there's an insane lack of clarity in this business about what is what, and it's maddening. So Disney might say, give us a format document, but what they mean is a Bible. Universal might say, give us a Bible, and they'll be horrified if you turn in a Bible because they meant a format document. So this is why we're talking about this topic today. Wait, is that true though? About Universal and Disney, or were you just using them as examples? Examples. Oh, all right. I thought that was like some insider things that <laughs> was really important. No, I have no idea what they call them. And I feel like every executive probably calls it something different. That's just how crazy it is. You're definitely right about that. <laughs> so that's what this is for. We're going to cut through the bullshit, talk about what is what, so that when a producer or a studio asks you to write a document, you A, know exactly what they're talking about and how much you should be compensated for it. And then B, know how to ask them the right questions. Like, 
Did they really mean they wanted you to do a Bible or did they actually mean an outline? <laughs> so let's start with, I feel like one of the more common ones, which is a treatment. Now, according to the WGA MBA, which means the WGA minimum basic agreement, that document that I mentioned, by the way, the standard by which all WGA signatories uh, are held, the WGA defines a treatment as, quote, an adaptation of a story, book, play, or other literary dramatic material for motion picture purposes in a form suitable for use as the basis of a screenplay. So treatments are specifically for a screenplay, which means it's for a movie. That's WGA speak for movie. TV scripts are called teleplays. And my question to you, Josh, is how long would you say is a typical treatment that you write? Oh, 10 pages. Definitely. I think treatments can kind of vary, but they're anywhere between 10 and 20 some pages. I feel like 20 some is like you're hitting the max. I recently read the a treatment for a Derek Kolstad project, which is the writer of John Wick, and his treatment for a feature was 22 pages long. And that feels like mm -hmm. it's on the longer end, but it's kind of a norm. Yeah. I would say treatments tend to be these kinds of large swaths of prose writing that take us as much as possible through the major scenes of your movie. Would you say that you typically write a treatment before you write every one of your scripts? Uh, definitely. I think it's really, really important. And then I send it to you guys and you take a look at it and tell me what's working and what's not working. Mm -hmm. Do you ever jump into a script before you feel like your treatment is ready? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a huge mistake. Yeah, it Absolutely. always is. <laughs> it's always a huge mistake. But no, the treatment is... It, well, what's interesting is because for me, what's more helpful is just beats, like moments, moments, moments. And that for me personally is more helpful than a treatment. Like, because mm -hmm. for me, I just kind of like to see just a little like, you know, Mike and Jan get into the car. You know, they drive, they argue about X, Y, and Z. Like for me, that's what works. When I read a treatment, it just doesn't compute in the same way. But I have to have like both of them together. You're saying the treatment, which is more like paragraph storytelling versus like a beat sheet. Those are, those are completely different documents for you. For me. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. That's the same for me as well, but it's the WGA definition is so vague. An adaptation of a story book play or other literary dramatic material for motion picture purposes in a form that's suitable for use as the basis of a screenplay. They also have an original treatment. So that's, that's an, an, an adapted, treatment an original treatment is quote an original story written for motion picture purposes in a form suitable for use as the basis of a screenplay and i think what's so hard about that is it's so subjective to decide what is a form suitable for use as the basis of a screenplay and everyone can have a different opinion you could be like a beat sheet that's just a bullet pointed list is suitable as a basis for a screenplay a producer can say i need 50 pages or I'm not going to pay you any money to write this screenplay. I feel like you could argue two paragraphs is the basis for a movie. Like here, this is how the movie begins. This is what happens. This is the middle and this is what happens at the end of it. You could, you absolutely could. I guess they can't say, or maybe they should, like what the page limit on something like that should be. Because I, I think you can tell from those definitions, there's a lot of wiggle room, I think, to take advantage of how, how big and expansive that treatment actually is. I will say that I have never been paid for a treatment. I have written treatments to try to get a job, to try to prove to someone that I, I have the story in such control that you can trust me to write it for money. I've also written treatments after I got a job that are usually just for myself. Like before I go to script, like you say, you, you write a treatment for yourself, but again, I've never been actually paid for it. But if I were, the WGA would insist that at minimum, I would get paid $57,279 for an original treatment and $38,186 for a treatment that's based on a previous material, like a book or another script if I'm rewriting it. So that's the high budget movie price. 
Those are so weirdly specific. They're so specific. Why aren't they just like, you know, 60,000 and 40,000? People with law degrees know that answer, and I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. If it is a low-budget movie, that number looks decidedly different. So if it was a low-budget movie, the WGA says, I should be paid at minimum for my original treatment, (laughs) (laughs) $34,589. And for a treatment based on previous material, that's $25,048. So decidedly lower. And actually, neither of those are enough to get you a year's worth of health insurance. So if you're getting paid for a treatment for a low-budget movie, you're not quite there yet, unfortunately. But I think the treatment is the most common document you're going to be asked to write if you are in features. And I was also going to talk about outlines. But honestly, the WGA-ness of it all is extremely confusing to me. I even asked my lawyer, actually, like, what defines an outline? And... He's like, I don't know. Let me ask my paralegal team. And then he, <laughs> the paralegal team emailed me, and they, they gave me two definitions that they found in the MBA ah. posted by the WGA. Your poor lawyers. <laughs> yeah, they did not know they were prepping for the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the paralegal team sent me two definitions that are in the same document, and both definitions contradicted each other. So I don't fucking know how to define an outline except from what i know through experience so for you what do you define as an outline you know it's really weird because it's such a basic question but i actually don't know if i've ever thought about oh, like here's an outline i mean it's exactly an outline has a beginning tells you what the middle of the story is and tells you what the end of the story is and filled in between all of those are different beats that show how the character changes and evolves throughout the story. That is how I would define an outline. That's a really great definition, actually. How would you differentiate it from a treatment? I feel like a treatment is a little bit more drawn out with more specifics, whereas I think an outline you can kind of convey, like for instance, in an outline, you can say, you know, Tasha and Josh, get into the car and they get into an argument and then like the next beat was like as a result of the argument uh, they decide not to go on vacation whereas in the um, treatment you would say what the argument was about that's a great example that's fantastic yes I would agree I I I think outlines are more specific and more surgical maybe like oftentimes I'll do just bullet points for every scene or I'll just do like number breakdowns of every scene. It's basically what you were talking about, like this kind of bullet pointed list. Yeah. I think that a treatment, there's more flair to the language. It's not yes. just strictly a roadmap. It's this kind of comprehensive storytelling, I think, in a treatment. Should we just be rewriting the rules for the WGA right now? Yeah, I think we should send them a strongly worded note. <laughs> <laughs> so I think... I mean, as you can tell, there is even a lack of definition of what these things are among writers themselves. So check in with your lawyer, your reps about the specifics of these things, make them kind of figure it out in terms of just like how much money you should be getting paid if you're you know, being asked to write these things. There is There are specific numbers in there. Also check in with an exec telling you to write an outline or a treatment and ask them what it is they actually envision because you may be envisioning something totally different. And I think it's okay to ask this. You will not look stupid asking this as long as, again, you know the difference between the two and you're just checking in with them to make sure you're just on the same page. Yeah, that's really important. Just asking goes a very long way. Yeah. Hey, I've written a couple different versions of what this kind of looks like. What is it in your in your eyes? Exactly. Very easy to say. Not embarrassing question. All right, now let's talk about TV move away from features for a second and talk about the two biggest TV documents that you will tend to write. And the first one is the format document. Josh, if someone asks you to write a format document, what does that mean to you? What that means to me is, hey, Tasha, uh, what is a format document? (laughs) Because I'm not really too sure. I would imagine, is it like a Bible? Is it like a series Bible? They are technically different. 
So is it a pilot? Like the format document is what the pilot is and then what future episodes look like? Kind of. I don't know, man. But so is a Bible. What? I don't know. <laughs> what is it? I don't know either. Nobody <laughs> fucking knows what a format document is. Even the people asking you. <laughs> I think they'll come to you and they'll know what they've seen before from other people. And they may even send you some examples that they've seen out in the world or examples that they've worked on. But nobody actually knows what it is what they do know is kind of what they need from it and that's kind of it yeah and the other thing is the word format is a stupid word when you're putting it with document it just doesn't <laughs> make sense because it's like what are you formatting like what what are you asking for why not just have it like what's the bible what's the outline like just use a term that everyone's familiar with this is <laughs> bullshit and i feel like this term format document is fairly new i've only heard it within the last year or so talked about as being something people ask for. Usually it is a Bible or it is a treatment or they call it a pitch deck or something. We're gonna actually talk about pitch decks and pitch documents in a pitching episode as part of our pitching series. But that's usually what I hear. Format document has been a fairly new term, at least in my experience. And it's such a confusing term. It is. It gets more confusing. Shall I go All on? Right. Please. <laughs> This is actually much more exciting than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so, as I said, nobody knows what a format document is, but I think what they do know in their head is what they want from it. Meaning, you can pretty much structure your format document and organize it however you want to best tell your story, but it has to include certain elements. Because at the end of the day, the format document is first and foremost a sales document to prove that you have a handle on the storytelling of your television show. That's what its job is. So treatment, like, you, like we talked about, you and I would write it on our own just for our own edification to make sure we understood the story. The format document is a separate document that we sort of don't write for ourselves. We write it for other people so that they can see our vision and want to buy it. So this is how the WGA defines a format document. Bear with me. <laughs> it is quote unquote, a written presentation consisting of the following. It sets forth the framework within which the central running characters will operate and which framework is intended to be repeated in each episode. So the setting, theme, premise, or general storyline of the proposed serial or episodic series. Also, the central running characters, which are distinct and identifiable, including detailed characterizations and the interplay of such characters. It also may include one or more suggested storylines for individual episodes. The end. That's pretty intense. It's a lot. And it's also, again, fairly vague. It does say setting, theme, premise, general storyline. It does tell you about central running characters going throughout and suggested storylines for individual episodes, which sounds specific. But if you actually go in practically to write this thing, you could write this in any number of ways. You or I could even take the same story with the same guidelines and come up with a completely different way of structuring our format document. So that's where it gets a bit confusing. Also, this may be helpful for our listener who had the question about anthologies, because there also is a separate section in the WGA MBA that defines an anthology series format document, which says the following. It is a detailed description of the concept of the proposed series, the context and continuing framework intended to be repeated in each episode, and the central premises, themes, setting, like locale or time, etc. The flavor, which is an interesting word to use in a legal document. <laughs> the flavor, mood, style, and attitude of the proposed series. And it may include suggested storylines for several of the projected episodes. So that is a format document if you're doing an anthology series. Hmm. What's the flavor of your anthology series? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Why didn't they say tone there? Why did they say flavor? <laughs> I don't know, but that weirdly kind of made sense to me. Now I'm kind of understanding why it's called a format document. Like if you just format it with those different, you know, here's the flavor. 
here's the other flavor here's the theme and <laughs> etc then okay okay i'm on board okay great uh, i'm here all right so then i shouldn't uh diss the wga's mba definitions as much as i am now we take it all back <laughs> so this is how i understand a format document in reality meaning in my experience having written a couple of them myself it is a document that tv creators write when they are trying to sell their show it is a sales document that studio executives are then going to take to their bosses or that producers are going to take to people like netflix or hbo max to say this is what our show looks like now structurally a format document is approximately 10 to 20 pages and for me in my experience it includes the following sections there's always a creator statement so that is why are you the creator the writer inspired to make this show why is this show so absolutely fantastic and unique and uniquely you for instance if you are writing a show about the behind the scenes of pro wrestling <laughs> which josh or i <laughs> Would definitely be into. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and let's say you were once a wrestler yourself, you have a very unique perspective of what that industry looks like. So this is where you would talk about that, your kind of why me section. You may also talk about why now, which is also a very important section for your format document. And the why now means, all right, you've just described to me why you, the, you are the one who has to write this story about pro wrestling, but why are you telling this story now today? And part of that question or like the note behind the note of, of the why now is who is your audience? Why are they tuning into your show instead of say WandaVision or Ted Lasso? And I think the other part of that question is how is your show relevant? how are people going to relate to it when they watch it every week why are they going to obsess about it so those are all things that i would include on your page about the creator statement the next section tends to be maybe a tone page the flavor page if you will what's the flavor yeah what's the flavor <laughs> i dare you to title that page flavor by the way <laughs> do it hey, this is the fucking flavor of the show which is like, how does your show, what does your show taste like when you watch it? <laughs> like Friday Night Lights is different than Ted Lasso, which I keep bringing up in the hopes that you will then watch our Ted Lasso episode next week. <laughs> yeah. But definitely. both are about football coaches, right? But they're completely different shows. So this is the tone section. And I would say that the reason I only sometimes write this section, I actually often don't put it in is because sometimes you can actually get across the tone of your show just in the way you write your format document. Just in the tone that you write it, you can portray the tone. So you don't need a whole page about it. I actually highly recommend doing that if it's appropriate. Also because as an executive, you read a million format documents at this point and it can be very dull, especially if they all have this same structure. So reading a format document that actually has style and has a voice written into it will really go a long way for you. I think the next section that I often have, because I write shows that are in worlds that are not our own, is I will have a mythology section. So if you are writing a sci-fi or a fantasy, talk about that world. Why is it cool? What makes it unique? Are there special rules to how your world works? For example, if there's magic in your world, what does it look like? How do characters in your world use magic? Does everyone have magic? Because that's the question they'll ask. <laughs> or is it just a few people? So that would be like your mythology or your world page. I just actually wrote a format document for a horror show that I'm going to be taking out. And I had a whole page that was just on the horror and a whole page on the monsters of the show. So that's how does the horror feel when you're watching it? Where does the terror come from? What is the tone of the horror? What are some comps that they may have seen out in the real world that can point to what this show might feel like? And then as for the monsters page, it was interesting because that became about specifics of what the monsters will look like and how they'll behave with an eye towards telling the execs gently like it's okay don't be scared there's a practical way to make these monsters for production and it's going to look very cool so if i'm very clear on what they look like the buyers will be like okay i understand what i'm paying for and i feel comfortable there yeah 
And then of course you'll have your characters page where you can organize this really any way you like. I've been on this weird kick where I like to list my main characters and my main kind of secondary characters all on the same page, kind of like you'd find at the beginning of like a, a playbill if you go to a, a theater and see a play. And then after that, I will do character descriptions that are a bit longer. So I may have on my first page, Tasha Hugh, 30s, bookish, gamer. <laughs> I don't prefer sweatpants to wearing a dress. Like, <laughs> whatever it is, as <laughs> a little log line under Tasha Hugh. So the next page after that, I would do the pilot. And this is no longer than one page of just a summary of your pilot, shorter the better in this case. And oftentimes they may have already read your pilot, even though they're still asking for a format document. Ignore that, you still need to do it. You need to just do a recap here of what your pilot is, most likely because there will be such a huge time separation between when they've read your pilot and when they're reading this format document that they're gonna need a recap and or they're not even going to read your pilot they're only going to read the format document so either way just go ahead and put a, a little recap i know it sounds silly following your pilot go ahead and do a season one section and you can really execute this in a multitude of ways and for me my preference in a document like this is to break it up into acts so let's say you have eight episodes of tv plan for your season one you would do an act two or sorry an act one is episodes one through three here's what's the the basic arcs of what's going to happen here here's a summary of those episodes act two is episodes four to six and then act three is your finale your episode seven to eight and i think by doing it this way you can summarize those sections which makes it easier on you but you can also in the same step show that you have a handle on the arc of your show while also leaving out a lot of details that will get figured out, you know, when you've been commenced into a writer's room and you can actually brainstorm with other people. So I think it's it's this great marriage of being just enough to convey the show and sounding like you have a total handle on everything. Mm -hmm. I actually mentioned in an earlier episode of our podcast that I had a fight with my manager about a format document that I was writing. I feel like mm -hmm. I reached out to you, Josh, to like kind of vent about it. Um, <laughs> but it was about this very section of the document because she wanted me to do it the way that I'm telling you to do it, which is this act one through three. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do every episode because I've got it figured out and it's really, really cool. And she's <laughs> like, you may have it mostly figured out. And your ideas are great, Taja, but it's just enough detail to get them to ask more questions. And you kind of want to give them slightly less details so they it's an easy read, first of all, and they get a sense of their show without just poking a bunch of holes in it. Now that I've done it that way <laughs> and uh, stopped being stubborn, I now very much advocate for doing it this way. Yeah, less detail, more feel. Kind of let yeah. them fill in the blanks. Exactly. More, more flavor. flavor. Yeah. <laughs> That's now my new note at writer's group. I really. Oh, totally. I mean, this needs more flavor. Yeah. Dave, uh, act two, more flavor. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> All right. Finally, last page of your format document, season two and beyond. No more than one page. I kind of prefer to organize this by by doing it through the lens of my main character arcs to just kind of give that final feel for how this awesome character journey is going to end that you've been invested in. Now, Josh, after hearing about all that work it takes to do a format document, how much do you feel like is the WJ minimum to write a format document? I would say it's 67,432. <laughs> <laughs> do you really think it's that high i was just kidding uh i would actually it's like thirty-two thousand six hundred and eight. damn it's eleven thousand eight hundred and fifty-five dollars what but the other <laughs> one was like fifty-eight thousand for a feature yeah <laughs> what wait the low budget movie treatment pays more than the format document for a series of a show? 
Yeah. That's backwards. <laughs> Something's not right. <laughs> right? Am I wrong? Another strongly worded letter that we will be writing to the WGA. Well, I'm not wrong, right? Like, do you, do you feel the same way or differently? I actually didn't think about it, to be completely honest with you. But now that you're saying it, you are having to in those in that season one section you have to figure out an entire season of television if you're doing 60 minutes that's you know eight hours of television versus two hours of a movie so yeah the fuck we've talked about this before where like i've had television ideas or tv ideas and i've stopped writing them because i'm like i don't know where this goes it's just a really cool pilot and so for that reason alone i feel like these lawyers need to start thinking that's like like six thousand seven hundred and four dollars <laughs> per episode or whatever that's crazy well maybe you'll be you'll feel better about the next document we're talking about which is the bible all right i better let's hear it or you might be more enraged i'm, I'm not quite sure <laughs> <laughs> how would you define a bible it's everything it's it's you go to the bible it it's your your characters, the arcs, the episodes, the episode arcs, the season arcs, where the show goes. It's everything. What you've just described is also in the format document. <laughs> Are there visuals in a format document? There can be. Absolutely can be. And I've seen them. I don't know the difference. Bible just feels more concrete. What do you mean by that? More concrete. It's a fucking Bible. It's like one of the oldest books in the world, you know? So you just feel like, wow, there's something really important to this Bible for the show. Whereas you read a format document and you're like, I did that on Word. We're we're good. (laughs) And yet you wanted $67,000 for it just a second ago. I'm just saying the the wording (laughs) is just, format document needs like. Right, the wording. a A better term. I feel like the Bible is a little bit more in-depth than a format document. That is my guess. I would agree. I also think it, it's the most kind of nebulous for me out of all of these. But I agree. The Bible is the most comprehensive document that you can really write in our business. And I think for that reason, it is kind of a good chunk of change. So for me, a Bible is a document that really outlines every single detail of your show. So if the format document is more of the summary of your show, the Bible is going to go into a very detailed version and i think this is where things can get a bit tricky because some people will say i want a bible from you but really they're asking for a format document meaning something more summarized so understand that the wga sees these two things as very different so you need to clarify with whomever you're writing for what the hell they mean by a bible now according to the wga a format document can be called a bible if in addition to all those things we talked about with the format document and at the request of the company Uh um, it contains the following characteristics it is in much greater detail than a traditional format and includes the context framework and central premises themes and progression of the multi-part series or serial two it sets forth a detailed overall story development for the multi-part series or for broadcast season and includes detailed storylines for a all of the projected episodes of the multi-part series or b most of the projected episodes for the first broadcast season of the serial number three the characters must not be only distinct and identifiable but must be set forth with detailed descriptions and characterizations the end this is so confusing and there's also like this <laughs> there's a variable to all of this that i feel like unless you are like there, there's there's something that pertains to most writers i would say 99 percent of writers because unless you're in like a different tier of writers if you're writing a document if you're writing like a format document i feel like as a writer your inclination is to kind of like do more and show that you have a handle on things and mm-hmm. almost like prove yourself to whoever you're turning something into. So I could see where like documents get kind of blurred where for instance, I did a format document, but I on my own put in things that kind of would make it 
be a Bible, like because you just wanted to prove to people that you knew what you were doing. And I'm sure execs and producers expect that from writers. Mm -hmm. Does that make any sense? It does make sense. That's why this gets so fuzzy is A, because you want to do more because you want to get the job. You want to show you have a handle on things. And B, producers also ask for more, I think. Mm -hmm. They tend to ask for more. And there's a line in the WJ that says if you cross this line and you give more, you're actually writing a Bible. But that line is very blurred, as we just said. Like All of those things that I just described in a Bible are also in the format document right just slightly less detailed and that's just such a subjective line so it's tough that's why we're doing this episode because it's you need to know these things so that you can at least just pay attention to them as they come up and just be aware of it and really push for clarity in every way that you can so i would say just colloquially meaning in practicality as a working screenwriter a bible in the traditional sense of the term is really every single detail about how your world and your show works so if there's magic you're not just going to kind of talk about how cool it is and stuff like we talked about with the format document you're going to fucking nerd out you're going to tell us exactly what those rules are how they work in the episodes you're going to be super specific and this is definitely where you want to write every single episode down in as much detail as you can and at yeah. this stage i think you'll almost always be writing this document before you've assembled your writer's room because once you get your writer's room you're going to work out your season of television with all these other writers so that's why this document is kind of the most bullshit document that you're asked to write because for one person to come up with an entire season of television in every single episode is an almost impossible task yeah because that's just so much content with so much detail and characterization that really can't be figured out in the two weeks you're given to write a bible that's what's really interesting because like how many instances can you think of like a lot like i can think of a lot of times where i've read about stories where someone's like like lost as an example like oh yeah we wrote a bible fully knowing we were going to change it it was just for uh abc yeah and you're like Okay, but I feel like everyone knows it's going to change, but you still have to do it. That is so true. That is that is the weirdness about Bibles is that everyone, even the producers and studio you're turning this into, they know that it's going to change and yet they still ask for it. <laughs> so, so strange. Many, many, many showrunners will write a Bible just to appease their network or their studio. And then once the studio approves a writer's room for them. They release money so you can hire writers. The showrunner will come to the room and say, all right, I'm not sending you the Bible. Literally, I'm not even emailing it to any of you. It doesn't exist. Ignore it entirely. We're going to do something else. Let's talk about it. And they start from scratch. And the most infamous case is the lost story, which I think is fantastic. And that's it's just like a famous story in our business where co-creator Damon Lindelof and J.J. Abrams, they literally pitched Lost as a completely different show in the Bible to the ABC execs than they ever intended to make. So the backstory is that ABC execs thought that J.J. Abrams' other show, Alias, which had, I think, like five seasons, was just too serialized. It was too genre. And so they were afraid that that was alienating audiences, which I think is hilarious because right now, it seems like all everyone wants is serialized stuff <laughs> that's genre. Anyway, knowing what the ABC execs were nervous about, Lindelof and JJ then worked very hard to completely lie in their Bible. And this is a quote from Damon Lindelof. After the show became a huge success, he felt free to say this. He said, quote unquote, per JJ, we made a very specific effort in this document to say we were not going to be serialized. We were not going to be genre and we were not going to do what Alias had done. So even though I think it was our intention to do all of the above, we needed to put that in the document because the document was essentially a letter to ABC saying, here's what the show is going to be. So they actually wrote, end quote. So they actually wrote in their Bible, literally, and if you've seen the show, I think you'll know just how much of a bold-faced lie this all is. But they wrote in their Bible to ABC the following. Quote, The beginning of the next episode presents an entirely new dilemma to be resolved that requires no knowledge of the episodes that preceded it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
And quote, <laughs> quote, viewers will be able to drop in at any time and be able to follow exactly what's going on in any story context, end quote. So they even, they then doubled down on this whole lie. And then they wrote, quote, this is not lip service. We are absolutely committed to this conceit. Lost can and will be just as accessible on a weekly basis as a traditionally procedural drama, end quote. So they lied and then they said, I swear we're not lying. <laughs> I love it. And it's horseshit, right? Like it's just such... It, it drives me crazy. <laughs> it's great. I, I I would love to know how it got from like, like at what point were they like, okay, great. That was bullshit. Good. We're, we're hired. We're good. Like, let's just now do what we want to do. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they had a separate document also for themselves where they just yeah. like knew kind of what they wanted. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's the wild west out there. I think is the thing, like, it's just so frustrating. There are really no rules and just look at these Bibles as sales documents. Like I was looking through various Bibles that I have in, in my collection of, of other shows and like the Homeland season one Bible is eight pages. The True Detective season one Bible is 10 pages. Uh, the, the, the Bible I just wrote for Netflix was 54 pages. And then the Game of Thrones Bible was 45 pages. So they range like Jesus. crazy. And I've seen ones that are in the hundreds. Like, they're nuts. So it's all over the place. And that's why you have to know the difference, talk about it, agree upon what you're actually doing. You'll most likely be asked to write a format document at a really early, like, kind of pitch stage for your show. So right now, I'm going out with a show. And what we're going to be presenting to buyers like Netflix or whoever is my pilot that I've written, a visual deck, my format document, and then a package. So we have an A-list director attached. We have a big time executive producer who's also a fantastic director in his own right. And this tangent is because the process for all of that is going to be that we are going to present all of those materials to a buyer. And if they respond to it, then I also go in and pitch, which makes no sense to me. TV is bonkers because you literally have all of the material in front of you. Why do I also need to come pitch to you? <laughs> yeah. They just want to make sure, like, it's that face-to-face. -face. Who the fuck are you, Tasha? Let me see you. Let me look in your eyes and find out if you're going to have a nervous breakdown or not. I mean, we're all writers. We're all going to have a nervous breakdown at some point. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna so happen. <laughs> it's weird. It is. It is such a silly industry, but maybe that's what makes it great. I think that's what excites you about it. It's what drives <laughs> me crazy about it. <laughs> that's true. There's no structure, and I love that. <laughs> like I actually, in finding <clears throat> out that I had to actually pitch after all of this, I talk to my reps i was like this is ridiculous right like i know that this is kind of how tv is done but this is actually ridiculous can we all agree to that and they were like well i don't know this is just how it's done like, <laughs> <laughs> someone needs to put a stop to this <laughs> it's madness <laughs> yeah that's just a small tangent from talking about documents but i think it's also just a way to illustrate how ridiculous writing these additional supplemental documents can feel because I've written a pilot, I've written a format document, and they still want me to come in and pitch. So anyways, is it just busy work? I don't really know. Someday I'll figure it out. Anyway, back on topic, Bible yeah. as a Bible. sales document. So the lost Bible, that was to convince ABC to greenlight their show. The 54-pager that I wrote for Netflix, that was actually for a job I'd already gotten. Uh, we're making this show, but the Bible was the first time for me to present my story to the execs in a more detailed way since I pitched. Mm -hmm. So if you've listened to our episodes about pitching, you know that my my pitch did not outline every episode. That's that's not what pitches are for. It would just take an hour to, be, to pitch that. It summarized everything. So now yeah. writing the Bible was about getting more specific. And I actually enjoyed writing that document because it really helped me solidify the story I was going to tell. So it felt important, but it's also a sales document because at the end of the day, Netflix will only commence me to then open a writer's room if they've approved my Bible. So they want to see every episode in action. So that's what we mean when we say it's a sales document, even at that stage. Now, in terms of the money, 
How much do you think you get paid to write a Bible? Absolute minimum for live action. Live action. So the format document was nothing, right? What was it again? 11,000. 11, okay. So the Bible, 58,411. You are so close. <sighs> 59,929. Ah, all right. It's a good day's work, that Bible. But it's so ridiculous that it's such a discrepancy from the format document. <laughs> it is. I can't believe that. Because <laughs> also, imagine if I had gone forward and wrote every episode like I was insisting on doing. I had essentially written a Bible at that stage. And yeah. I'm not getting paid Bible money. What was I thinking? <laughs> if, I, if I had listened to this episode first, I would have known. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so $58,000. Fifty-nine, almost sixty. Fifty-nine thousand dollars, sixty thousand dollars for a Bible, and that's still on par with a feature. That's crazy to me. This yeah. is just nuts. Yeah, I mean, maybe stick with features. Yeah, I, I'm out. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking with this TV talk. All right, the final document we're going to talk about is the scriptment. What is a scriptment? I don't know. It sounds like a bad website. <laughs> I don't know. You've heard this term though, right? <laughs> scriptment. No. Come on, no. I don't think I have. Scriptment? All right. So, I mean, you'd be in the right. This term does not exist according to the WGA. This term was actually coined by James Cameron when apparently he wrote a 57-page scriptment for the Spider-Man movie he wanted to do that later, actually, David Kep, who ended up writing that Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie, in 2002, he actually used James Cameron's scriptment, according oh. to sources, in a kind of word-for-word -word basis. So scriptment is basically a giant treatment. It's a, it's a Bible, essentially, for a movie. 57 pages is huge. That includes actual dialogue in it. Yeah. I've definitely seen those before. I'm sure I've heard this term before. And I've definitely read Cameron's what I call treatments that were excessively long that he calls scriptments. But no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Scriptments. Yeah. Yeah. His scriptment for Avatar was leaked during prep for that movie. And it blew up so huge on the interwebs that the term scriptment, which is what Cameron calls these things, became widespread after that. So I've actually heard people say, I'm going to write a scriptment for this. Or, hey, could you just write um, a scriptment? which is basically just a giant treatment that includes dialogue. So yeah, I, I think that's funny because I actually emailed my lawyer to be like, hey, what's the scriptment? Is that defined in the WGA? And the response was no, James Cameron came up with that <laughs> and that doesn't exist. And oh, I just really? thought that that was funny, yeah. <laughs> so if anyone asks you to write a scriptment, tell them that's not real. I've actually written a scriptment before. I didn't even know I did it. Son of a bitch. I, I just thought it was a treatment. In my Bible, I actually did put dialogue, so maybe that is also technically a scriptment. Regardless, you cannot get paid for a scriptment because it is a fantastical thing that does not exist according to the WGA. So get some clarity on that. If someone asks you to write that. Yeah. So that's all I got for you. Those are the main documents you're going to write. Those are what you would get paid for it. Those are wow. for the, the best of our abilities, the definitions of them. I've got to say, this has been incredibly helpful. Has it? I can't believe it. Yeah, when we talked about being doing sarcastic. this. I'm not. No, I promise you. When we started to, when we talked about this, I was like, ah, oh, Ted Lasso bumped again. <laughs> and now just having this conversation, I'm like, I really needed to know this. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. I'm going to take us out with an appropriate quote of the day. Okay. Set a limit for yourself. Get the idea out at least in treatment form, because treatments can excite the imagination of the buyer. But going to a full screenplay and going all out on it can be a huge downer if the project stalls. Oliver Stone. Wow. All right, please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. Or me at Josh Hallman on Instagram and Joshua Hallman on Twitter. 
And as always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. 